Why, hello. <laughs> hello. 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 How are you going? I'm I'm good. How are you? I'm fighting a little cold. You are. A summer cold. Just walked in the door, so I'm a little bit puffed as well. So excuse the breathlessness. You're excused. Thank you. Thank you. Well, another Thursday rolls around and who have we got on this episode? Uh, Number 36. We have Rachel Macy Stafford from Hands Free Mama. Um, hey, Mama. Hey, Mama. Mama. I don't know the words. No. It's too long ago now. Um, yes, but I talked to Rachel and I'll get to that conversation in a minute. But she's, um, she, yeah, she's someone whose work I've read for a couple of years. She's part of the Simple Year course that um, I'm a part of. And it was, yeah, it was really good to talk to her. We've, we've had to put off our conversation, uh, I don't know, five times because right. of different issues. So it was nice to actually finally get that to happen. She's a very busy lady. I must say I found this episode really tough. Why? I just... I think the amount of hard truths in it, to be perfectly honest with you, that's that's actually really true. And she has um, she has a way of writing about things that kind of kick you in the guts. Mm. In I, I mean, I don't mean that in a bad way, um, but she will draw attention to things that maybe we find it easier or more um, convenient to ignore. Yeah, and not or not dig into. And she has a way of writing that actually. Um, kind of gets past that. Yeah, for a number of a number of occasions, you've spoken about how beautiful her writing is. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's brought Poignant. me to, yeah, it's brought brought me to tears more than once. Mm. And uh, you know, there's certain things that she's written over the years that I still think about. So, um, yeah, to be able to talk to her was wonderful. And so, why we, why are you talking to her now? She has a new book out. Right. Yes, uh, it's called Hands Free Life. It's about habits, of, you know, habits for building a, um, a a less distracted life, a more intentional life, and that's mm-hmm. something that I'm, uh, of course, I'm really interested in and big on talking about intention and you know cutting back on the distractions and things like that. So, so um, yeah, that's a book that she's um, currently kind of promoting. It's not her first book, is it? No, she's written one or two previous books. Uh, the first one was, I think it was called Hands Free Mama, and then this one is a Hands Free Life. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And if you actually wanted to find out more about Rachel's books, both um, Hands Free Life and Hands Free Mama, you can head to her website, which is handsfreemama.com. And uh, you can find links there to uh, her books where you can buy them, that sort of thing, and also her social media. But on Facebook, she's The Hands Free Revolution. Facebook.com, The Hands Free Revolution. And on Twitter, she's at Hands Free Mama. So you can, you can hit up any of those places and find out more about Rachel and her books. What else is new? Well, what's new with you, really? Because you've just finished a, a, another workshop in Brisbane. I have. That was our last one for the year. Um, Belle and I flew back home last night. So it, was a long, <laughs> it was a long day, I must admit. It was, flew it was out wonderful. Very early and flew back very late. We did. We just do it in in the one day. But um, it was uh, so again. All 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 the workshops this year have been phenomenal. And to finish off with the group in Brisbane was really beautiful. It was um, a smaller group, and you know everyone kind of had a chance to to speak. And it's it's genuinely such a privilege to sit in a room with people who share similar values and are interested in what 
you know, what we're interested in. Uh, and also to see them get to know each other. It's like these, these beautiful yeah. moments where people are swapping email addresses or phone numbers because they've found someone who lives near them who gets it and who isn't going to look at them like they're a bit odd when they're talking about the changes that they're making in their lives. So to see that kind of unfold is is really exciting. Mm. And I know that those you, you held them in three cities in Australia and for those international listeners, um, what opportunity do they have to hear from you or learn from you in an activity-based online environment? Well, I'm glad you asked, Ben. It's a really neat segue. Um, as I, I think I mentioned it last week, I'm part of a Simple Year, which is a, a 12-month guided course in, in simplicity. And as of today, the day we release, which is November... 19. I'm going to say 19, yeah. yeah. Um, we've got one more day. The I think, registration for the early bird registration of Simple Year closes uh, at the end of the 20th of November. And that's – you get a saving of 25% if you sign up before then. Registration will reopen in January for about a week. But you're first up, aren't you? So, I'm you're first in up. January. I'm, I'm in January, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, if, you're, if you are interested in learning more, you can just head to a simpleyear.co forward slash course. And if you are listening to this on Friday the 20th of November and beyond – You can head there anyway because sure. – uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's a yearly, it's an annual course. So even if you're listening to this in 2016, sometime, really, you can sign up for notification for the following year. Okay, but yeah, still chance to sign up for 2016 Absolutely. in early January. So um, for all you New Year's resolutionists, giddy up! It's so yeah. Just to to reiterate, it's simpleyear.co/slash/courses. Simpleyear.co. Goodness me. Say it one more time. Simpleyear.co slash course. <laughs> the link will be in the show notes. It, it will. What else will be in the show notes? Uh, um, notes and notes stuff and from resources the show. and showish things. Um, do we want to – you want to mention the the sponsor for this podcast? I think that would be a good idea. Today's right ahead. <laughs> so today's show is it's your show. You're allowed to. Am I? Can I now? Go. Good. Uh, so today's show is sponsored by Audible, um, and this week you can get yourself a free audio book if you head to audibletrial.com forward slash slow, and you could get yourself a copy of Rachel Macy Stafford's Hands Free Life. You can head over there and um, and download that for free. And you'll also get a 30-day uh, free trial of Audible and access all of their um, facilities and things like that. So head to audibletrial.com slash slow and grab yourself a free audiobook. And uh, thank you, Audible. Excellent. Thank you, Audible. I'm really looking forward to our last hostful. Yeah? Yeah. Why? I don't know. I just think that it's, you know, there's been some things that have happened that we've with, withheld from our listeners, but some exciting things for the new year. And mm. yeah, I just think I'm looking forward to it. And so should you folks tell your friends. <laughs> Selling it hard the, today. There the, the drugs have kicked in. 
Golden flu jokes. Got a very sore throat. With that, enjoy the podcast. Enjoy the podcast. Rachel. Hello. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm really well. Thank you so much for talking to me. I'm happy to be here. We've been um, playing time zone tag for a little while, but it's uh, it's good. We finally made it. We got there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um, before we start, I just wanted to say congratulations on your new book. It's, it's just doing wonderful things and I'm seeing people raving about it. Um, you know, left, right and centre. I think anything that gets people thinking about living intentionally and slowing down the frantic pace of life is is really worth celebrating. And um, yeah, it's it's fantastic. So well done. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that support. It's um, no, I think it's 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 really striking a nerve with people. So uh, that's, you know, that's obviously something that people are starting to really connect with the idea of, of you know, um, opting out of, of, you know, the successful life, keeping up with the Joneses, that kind of thing. So I think it's, um, it's, it's amazing. And of course, your new book is, um, is called Hands-Free Life. So uh, people should absolutely check that out. Um, but to jump into it, I guess that's the perfect lead into it. So um, what do you mean by living a hands-free life? Well, in my opinion, living hands-free means to make a conscious effort to temporarily let go of all the millions of distractions that we have in our life to be fully present with either someone or something that makes you feel fulfilled. And those distractions can be external, like your electronic devices or your overcommitted schedule, or those distractions can be internal, like Wanting to um, wanting to have things be perfect or beating yourself up over past mistakes, but basically, whether the distractions are external or internal, they are pulling us away from being present and really from what truly matters. And so, for for me, living hands free, it's just living by heart and listening to your instincts about what's right for you and your family rather than listening to all the noise of the outside world trying to tell you what is important. I love that, living by heart. I think that's so, um, yeah, that, that's a beautiful way of putting it because, I mean, so often we, we live, I guess, mindlessly because we, we plot along doing what we've always done because that's what we've always been told that we should do. And, um, yeah, living by heart is a really beautiful way of, of putting it. Um, have you always been uh, mindful, I guess, of the way that you, you lived and engage with your life? Or is that something that you came to realize uh, and came to recognize over time? Yes, I would not be here sharing this story with you if I'd always been mindful. I had to learn the hard way um, that living distracted is not really living at all. And I actually had a pretty painful 
realization. Um, I call it my breakdown breakthrough moment that actually propelled me on this hands-free journey. And this was about five years ago. My life was just a life of overwhelm. I was constantly in a hurry. I gripped my devices tighter than the hands of my loved ones. And I was saying yes to everything outside of the home and no to the most important activities in the home, like laughing, loving, memory making. And along the line somewhere, my joy for life and living just really kind of got lost. And so I I like to say to people, you know, when you get to the point where you're managing your life and you're not living your life, that's a red flag. And that's exactly what happened to me when I was I was actually out for a run and the question that I got all the time, which was to in my mind a compliment, which was, How do you do it all, Rachel? And, you know, I would always pat myself on the back thinking, oh, you know, I can just juggle a thousand things with a smile on my face and I look like I have it all together. But in reality, I was very unhappy inside. And so that day on my run, I decided to answer that question. How do you do do it all honestly? And the answer was, I can do it all because I miss out on life. I miss out on the laughing, the living, the memory making. And what made me just really stop and start crying was the fact that I realized what I'm missing, I cannot get back. And so that moment, I I said a prayer and I just, I knew, you know, I was not going to be able to transform my life in a day. And so I knew that with some guidance from up above, I could take some small steps to become more present, more grateful, more peaceful. And um, so then an opportunity arose that day when my daughter was watching The Lion King and I was making her lunch. And I I had a million things, you know, going on. The phone was buzzing and the emails were calling me. But I went to her and I just sat with her and she picked up my hand and kissed my palm. And that was kind of like a confirmation moment for me. I thought, if I want to have more moments of connection like this, I need to have free hands, literally and figuratively. Um, and so that, that moment kind of sparked, sparked the journey for me. That's so. That's such a a, a beautiful um, story, and I'm just sit, sitting here listening to it, thinking, yes, you could have absolutely been describing me about five years ago as well. Um, oh wow! Yeah, it's a it's it's a huge moment, isn't it, to make that realization? And um, I love what you said about you know the cost of doing it all is that you're not you know, actually living your life. And when you come to that moment of realization, it's such a huge um, catalyst for change. You know, I think, um, so what you've just said and what you just shared, I think is going to resonate with a huge number of people. I often talk about um, my own kind of moment 
particularly when it comes to living more mindfully, I'd kind of gone through a lot more changes in terms of um, our home and how we were, you know, simplifying the physical environment that we were living in, but I was still living really completely mindlessly. And I would so often, um, you know, for, for one of a more gentle word, I guess, palm my kids off when they wanted to play with me because I was just so busy doing important things, which, you know, looking back weren't in the slightest bit important. But it wasn't until one day they kept asking me, you know, mum, can you play hide and seek? Do you want to play hide and seek? And, you know, I said, no, maybe later, maybe later. And I realized uh, when I was sitting at my computer, probably looking at something, something like Facebook, that, uh, you know, th- those moments will be fleeting at best. And I went and found the kids and I said, do you want to play hide and seek with me? And they were just blown away. The, the look of sheer joy on their face was, I still remember it, you know. Um, so I guess to, to come to that, that moment of understanding, it's huge. I was just going to say, um, when my readers write to me and say, well, I'm living this distracted life, like what you described, and, you know, how do I begin to even change it? I say, first of all, commend yourself that you realize that you need to change and that you want to change. Because honestly, I think that is really the hardest step and most painful one. And I think there's a lot of people who just continue on because they think, well, this is what's expected of me, or they maybe aren't even aware of what they're missing. So, you know, if there's anyone that's listening and saying, I can relate to the before version of Rachel and Brooke, then just say, you know, that's awesome that you have that awareness. And that is a starting point. Absolutely. And so many people that I speak to, they, they can trace back their journey to living a more mindful life to a point of crisis. So, you know, even if that crisis is, um, it's, you know, just a, a kick in the guts kind of realization that they're missing out on life, that can be, that can act as such an important turning point. And even, as you say, just coming to that realization and recognizing it, that can be, that can be your moment, you know. So I think it's absolutely right. That's, that's so important. Absolutely. So just going back to something you said um, a minute ago, that people continue on because this is what's expected. You know, I think so many of us are in this reactionary kind of headspace where we operate to other people's agendas. You know, we, we respond to messages and emails immediately, or or at least feel like we have to. And we attend parties and functions when we actually want to be hanging out with our kids. We, you know, say yes to committees and meetings and other commitments when we really want to be at home with our family. Why do we keep doing this to ourselves? Well, I really feel like there is a message that society gives us that that makes us believe that productivity equals success. And the more you do, the more you say you do, the more you accomplish, the more successful or important you are perceived. And, you know, in some places I feel like busyness is kind of like a badge of honor and people say yes to prove their worth or possibly seek um, validation. And so I think it's hard for people to say no because they worry, well, I'm going to be letting 
other people down when actuality they're letting down their most important people. Because what we often don't realize is when we say yes to that outside commitment, we are saying no to something meaningful, really time with our family or time for sleeping or time for self-care. And so I just think that it's kind of a societal message that is perpetuating that keeps people on that crazy hamster wheel. I think um, the, the the number of people that I've spoken to and who've come to, to me at, at workshops or either via email who've said pretty much exactly that. They think that if they opt out, if they say no, then they're going to be judged as being not as effective or not as you know successful because they're not as productive. So how um, how do how do we opt out? How do we we start to step back and and be more intentional with the things that we take on rather than just operating under other people's agendas? Well, I had a question that I began asking myself um, frequently, which was, "What matters most?" You know, like at the end of the day or the end of my life. What is going to matter the most? And I broke it down into three questions that I asked my very distracted self um, at the time when I was just stretched so thin. And I was thinking, well, I don't have time to tend to the things that really matter, but that is not always true. And these questions will help you really get to the heart of the of your issue, of your distractions. And the first one is, does the amount of time and attention I currently offer to my family convey that they are a top priority in my life? Um, So for me, when I was living my highly distracted life, the answer to that was no. And then the second question was, does my current schedule allow for time spent simply being, not doing, with my loved ones. And again, I couldn't remember the last time I just sat on the couch and relaxed with my family so that the answer was no. But then here was the third, the the more hopeful question. Do I have any extracurricular commitments or time-wasting distractions I could eliminate in order to spend a few minutes of special time with my child or my spouse or myself? And the answer to that was yes. I did have extracurricular commitments and time-wasting distractions that I could eliminate. And that was really um, a breakthrough for me because I realized, okay, I can't control all of the circumstances of my life, but I can control some of them. And I can't let go of all my commitments, but I can let go of some of them. And so basically, when you come to realize that your choices are dictating how you spend your time, and, it, and it's hard at first. I mean, I'm a people pleaser. So saying no was difficult for me, but the more that I did it, I, I felt this confirmation, this relief that I had chosen 
what was right for me and for my family. And, you know, sometimes I had to say no to some pretty important opportunities and interviews that, that I got, um, through my blog. And if it was during the time that I had designated to be my hands free time, I got into the practice of just saying, I'm sorry, I, that is not my work time. And I think it's really critical to make these boundaries if we're going to protect, you know, our health, our well-being, our relationships, because distractions and opportunities and overscheduling, they can just wean their way into your life and to the point where you're, you think, well, I can't do anything about this, but you can. And I do think it comes down to those choices that you make to protect your time, your health, your energy, and your focus. I think the idea of, um, of choice is a really big one as well. Um, yeah, I think that that's, that's enormous. And sort of what I heard you talking about um, at the beginning there was this idea of kind of legacy as well, really questioning what do I want to leave behind? You know, what do I want people to remember me for? And uh, I often talk about that with people, you know, really spend some time questioning what you want, uh, you know, your legacy to be. Because I think when you do that, it, it takes away all the distractions. It takes away all the little things that can somehow in the everyday seem like the big things. But when you're looking at life, you know, from a 10,000 foot view, you can, you can really get a much better sense for those things that are important and those things that do deserve your time. And sometimes I think if we do that, we can, we can use that, I guess, as a foundation from which to make those choices and to make those, those shifts towards, uh, you know, choosing what matters most rather than choosing what maybe we think we should be doing. Um, I guess one of the things that people worry about when they're opting out and saying no and stepping back from commitments is, uh, you know, the judgment of others and what people might say or what they might think of them. Um, you know, do you have any, any thoughts or any, any kind of framework on how to deal with that? Well, the beautiful thing about shifting to a hands-free perspective is that you are able to let go of other people's expectations and opinions of you. And what happens is when you make that choice to say no to that request that you're getting to of your time and your energy and you've chosen to be with your family or do something for yourself that will fulfill you, you instantly have a feeling of relief and peace that you do not get when you say yes to something that you then start to dread. And so when you have that feeling of peace and validation for choosing what matters to you, it really outweighs any of the judgment or the criticism that you might receive. And honestly, if someone does choose to say something critical about your choice, I would just ask you to think about maybe what that's, that's saying about the person. 
I think it's more of a reflection on them wishing they could set those boundaries and them wishing that they knew how to say no. And I just think once you've made up your mind that this is your life and you are the only person who can protect your time and your energy and your focus, you know that you're doing the right thing because if you don't protect your time and energy, no one is going to do it for you. And so that feeling of peace and connection that you receive for making the choice to choose your family or yourself and your well-being, it really does outweigh the criticism that you might receive um, and any judgment. And, and you just get to a good place where you realize those opinions don't really matter because you're the one who has to lay your head down at night and say, you know, what did I do that was successful in terms of what really matters? Um, And for me, it's not really anymore about how much I accomplish in the day, but how much did I love today? How much did I love my people? How much did I love myself? And that to me is really what matters and not the opinions of others. And I guess that goes straight back to uh, what you were, you were saying at the beginning of our chat, you know, living by heart. If you can, at the end of the day, ask yourself, did I love, you know, did I love well? Did, like, not, not did I attend enough meetings? Not did I respond to emails rapidly, you know? <laughs> um, I think the the issue and – and the issue with boundaries as well that I'm I'm still kind of discovering is that when we set them for ourselves, like you were talking about with, you know, you have your, your work time, but then anything outside of that typically does not get agreed to because it's your, your hands-free time. When we have those boundaries for ourselves, I, I find almost always people will respect them, but it's just making that that jump to actually protecting the boundaries that we set for ourselves and, and respecting them ourselves. And I think that's, uh, that's something that's, that's kind of a really important lesson for people to, to learn is once we set those boundaries, once we make those, those kind of constraints on, on work time or, you know, distracted time or whatever it is, uh, and then protect the other stuff fiercely you know, we, we really can make so much more out of that time and, and we get the ownership and we feel, you know, we feel like that really is our time. And like you say, like the, the weight of expectations kind of disappears. So a bit of a, a, bit of a, uh, a change in pace, I guess. But um, you've recently gone through some, some pretty serious health issues. Um, what, what, <laughs> what, I guess, did you learn as a result of being, you know, unwell the last few months? Did you... Um, did you find that it spoke to even more of the hands-free kind of living or, um, you know, did you have to, to kind of renegotiate mm-hmm. things for yourself? Yes. Um, well, so out of the blue, you know, I had some really bad pains um, and for a while they couldn't real- figure out what was causing it. And um, I ended up seeing a lot of doctors and I'll never forget when the the um, urologist was telling me about this giant kidney stone that I had in my body. 
And um, what the doctor, so this was a second opinion that I had gotten. And the first doctor was going to do something that would have really messed things up for me. And she said, so my second doctor was saying, um, you could have lost a year of your life from the complications to that surgery. And I'm so glad you came and got a second opinion. And all I heard was, you could have lost your life. And it wasn't just from the gigantic kidney stone, but I had gotten into a bad pattern of not looking after myself, looking after everybody but me. And, you know, as someone who writes a blog with, you know, millions of readers and you have two books published and you're, you're this advocate for living, um, an intentional life. Um, you know, I shared with my readers that I, I had lost my way for a while there. And I really do think, um, being authentic about the struggles because, you know, we all have distractions and obligations and stressors in our life. And it's not like, like, oh, I, I became mindful and then I was cured. It's like it's a daily battle and you always have to be thinking about, you know, am I taking care of myself in a way that's going to give me, you know, a joyful, long, healthy life? And so this illness um, that I had dealt with and I'm still unfortunately having some complications um, from the surgery. Um, but I've really learned just to, to be even more authentic about sharing my story. And I've, I've been sharing my medical, um, trials with my community. And I can't tell you how many people write and say, you know, because you said you advocated for yourself and it was uncomfortable for you you gave me the courage to advocate for myself or someone might say, um, you know, I hadn't been to the doctor in six years and because of what you wrote, I went back to the doctor. And so I just think sharing our stories, even when they're not pretty and they're not pleasant, um, there is great value in that. And so, um, I just love to encourage people to share their story, even if they don't have it all figured out. Like you, just you saying here, I'm in this place right now and I don't know what's going to happen. Someone else can say, okay, she's having this experience. I'm having this experience. And suddenly you're not alone and there's hope when you're not alone. And so I'm going to just continue to, um, just try to live the life that I write and um, share, you know, even the not so good parts. It's so true. Um, you know, what you say about sharing and being open and honest, because when people hear, I mean, and, and people would look at you and the life that you've created and the changes that you've made and make assumptions about, you know, you having it all together and you're never going to, to kind of falter or, or fail in any way. And for you to, to share that so openly with people, I think is so powerful because, you know, they're, they're, they're going to look at it and say, well, it happens to everybody, you know, everybody at, at, at some point 
will need to to renegotiate and realign and you know i think that's that is just hugely valuable both for yourself and for you know the people who read your your blog and your books and who who are part of your community because uh you know similarly i guess when i've spoken about my situation which was more uh as a result of suffering from postnatal depression the number of people who have said, you know, when you opened up and you shared that stuff, which must have been incredibly hard to do, and it was, but it was um, so firstly liberating to acknowledge that, you know, everyone struggles with things and that's okay, that's, you know, human, but also to just open up and say to people, it's like, it's okay, you're not alone, we can make these changes. Yes, I totally agree with you. There's such power in sharing Oh, there really is. And there's also, you know, power in community, which is something that, um, you know, throughout all my podcast interviews, the number of people who raise the, the, the notion of community, it's, it's been mind blowing. I mean, it's probably maybe one in every two people that I speak with just who, who nominate community as one of the biggest, uh, you know, helps, I guess, and biggest, um, supports to, to making positive change. That's interesting and so true. So um, with your your writing, which is absolutely beautiful and vulnerable and open and honest, you I, I read your words and, and you have a way of, of putting them together that encourages us to be better, you know, um, better parents, better people, better friends, um, you know, just, just to continue to realign ourselves, I guess. Um, because it's not to say that what we are now is not good, but it's to say that there are ways of, I guess, making shifts and changes that are going to benefit us and the people around us. How do you kind of um, deal with the tension, I guess, between encouraging people to try their best but also not feel less than when they fall short? Because inevitably, as we say, there are times when we all fall short. Um, you know, So how, I guess, do you... Do you kind of deal with that tension between striving but being okay with being human? Well, I really believe that every mo- moment is a chance to start again. And the message that I repeat throughout my book and throughout blog posts that I write is that today matters more than yesterday. And the one who's probably thinking about the mistake that you made, maybe the way you overreacted or something that you wish you hadn't said is not the person on the receiving end. It's probably you. You know, I learned that I make much more big, much more of a deal out of my mistakes and my failings than anybody else. And so what I what I realized firsthand, it took me about three or four years really to forgive myself for all the moments I missed, um, for the criticisms that I put on my firstborn my firstborn daughter, and for really just putting a lot of pressure on myself for so many years. Um, it took me about three or four years to forgive myself. But what I realized was every time I would revisit one of my past mistakes and berate myself and say, oh, I wish I hadn't done that or, or look at the damage I've done. I was losing this moment 
So not only had I sabotaged that past moment, but I was sabotaging the current moment as well. And I thought, well, this is ridiculous. You know, I've made, I've said I was sorry. You know, I apologized for the things that I had a hard time forgetting and I wanted to ask for forgiveness for those. And then I realized I can go on, I can move on now. It's, it's okay. I don't need to punish myself for the rest of my life. And so I think apologizing when you make a mistake is just a really huge gift you can give your family because you're modeling how you want them to react when they make a mistake and they try and they fail because, you know, I've been reading a lot about what's happening to college kids um, who are, who have kind of parents who um, kind of hover over them and don't let them make mistakes. These kids are going to college and when they're making mistakes, they're instantly thinking, well, I'm a failure. Uh, and they get to very, very depressed. And sometimes it's leading to serious health issues. And so I'm thinking, well, when I make a mistake, I want to show my kids that it's okay. You know, that's part of being human. And so apologizing, modeling that for them and showing them that you're not going to get it right the first time. And there's... um just a lot of healing that goes on when you're able to ask for forgiveness and say, this is what I've learned from it. And this is what I'm going to do to move forward. And again, that, I guess that ties, you know, really neatly back into what we've been speaking about the idea of choice, you know, and we can choose our reactions. We can choose how to move forward and to be able to show that to our families is, is so valuable. Um, I guess we're, we're almost out of time. And just to finish up, I'd love to ask you one last question. Um, and really, it's just to, if, if you could encourage people, I guess, to make one change today to start living a, a slower, more engaged, you know, less distracted life, what would that one change be? Well, my book, um, Hands-Free Life, is full of habits um, because I think habits – are better than, you know, just one time tries. A habit is something that kind of becomes um, a subconscious choice that you begin to make that becomes part of your life. And my all time favorite hands free life habit that everybody can do starting today is called the best 10 minutes. And it's actually how I started my hands free journey. I mentioned that my daughter kissed my hand. Um, and that was in a 10 in 10 minute increment that i ha- i created a 10 minute increment where i put away my devices i shut down the computer put the put the to-do list in a drawer um pushed aside the regret of yesterday and the mistakes that i was going over in my head so pushing all that away and making myself fully available for 10 minutes. And what this does is it has the power to renew your spirit, your relationships. Um, It can really bring some clarity into your life about what you want to do with your life, what you want to do with your time. And those qualities, those do not happen when you are living a hurried, distracted, 
multitasking life. So I say start with 10 minutes, set a timer if you need to, um, push it all away, and see what happens in those 10 minutes. And I can guarantee something peaceful or rejuvenating or connective will happen. And if it's like what happens at my house is it just, the whole environment of the house changes. If I say, okay, I've got 10 minutes and they're all yours, whether I say that to my husband or I say that to my child, something good always happens. And sometimes I say it to myself. I'm giving Rachel 10 minutes to do whatever she wants to do. And usually it's go sit in the sunshine or go outside for a few moments. I always come back feeling restored, rejuvenated, and I've got perspective about what really matters. Um, That's why I call them the best 10 minutes. And I think they're building blocks. 10 minutes is your starting point, but then it can build. And those 10 minutes can create you know, a life of, of meaning, joy, and connection. Absolutely. I love that. The best 10 minutes. I think, you know, it's achievable. Everyone can give that 10 minutes. So I think that's, that's wonderful. Uh, well, thank you, Rachel. Thank you so much for talking with me. Um, you know, I could probably talk to you for another hour, <laughs> but I will let you go. So um, I really appreciate you. I really appreciate you making the time to chat. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Rachel. Yes. Thank you. This has been another episode of the Slow Home Podcast. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe via iTunes and leave us a rating or a review. Thanks for listening.